Good morning, everyone. Uh, Happy New Year. Welcome to Citizens. Um, If you're joining us online, welcome. Happy New Year. I think um, if 2021 taught us anything, it's that there is no magic reset button that happens at the beginning of a new year and i think we are all very aware of that this year as well i'm sure um it wasn't the end of the year and the beginning of a new year that we all kind of hoped it would be expected a a lot quieter i think obviously given uh the most recent surge in our city and, and in our country this pandemic that just won't go away but um nevertheless um as our worship director jane just prayed God is still good. God is still sovereign. Uh, God is so gracious, and he's given us this gift of another year. And so it's great to be able to uh, worship with you today, whether you're here um, in person or joining us uh, online. Uh, I mentioned this last week, but just again, in light of everything going on, and because there's so much uncertainty uh, around the most recent surge, um, our reopening committee at our church has kind of advised that we press pause on a lot of the, um, you know, in-person dinners or in-person gatherings in homes that we had kind of planned throughout the month of January. And we're just kind of monitoring the most recent updates uh, from, you know, our, our county health officials uh, to make sure, you know, to, to prioritize the health of our congregation. And so uh, as those updates come in, you know, we're receiving them in real time as well. So please be patient with us. Uh, you know, we're doing the best that we can. And so um, we'll definitely let you know and keep you posted uh, until you hear otherwise. Um, we will continue with our in-person Sunday gatherings, um, you know, masked up. Uh, with safety and health precautions, but even that, uh, we know that at any, any moment, um, things can change. And so, if you're not yet on our citizens' mailing list, uh, you definitely want to get on, especially in this season. We try our best not to spam you with unnecessary uh, information, but all the important information about changes to service times, changes uh, to gatherings, or things like that do happen on the mailing list. And so if you want to get on that, you can email admin at citizensla.org, admin at citizensla.org, and we'll make sure uh, to, to get you on there as soon as possible. Uh, Well, with that, um, I have the great privilege of bringing us God's Word. If you have your Bibles, uh, if you want to turn with me to Psalm 8, we're also going to have it on the screen behind me. Uh, If you can choose your translation, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the New International Version. Okay, Psalm 8. Psalm 8, this is the reading of God's Word. Lord, Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, well, a new year means a new sermon series, and I've been thinking about this one for a while, and I'm really excited uh, to start it today. And the series is called The Names of God, okay? Uh, some of us are like, wait, I thought God's name was God. Um, and that's exactly why we're doing this series, um, because I think for many of us, even those of us who've grown up uh, in the church, we actually don't know what God's name is. Um, throughout Scripture, there are countless references to God's name. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. 2 Thessalonians 1.12, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Psalm 97.12, rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. There's something about the name of God that's worthy of our praise and our lives, and yet most of us don't know what God's name is. Uh, last year, I met someone uh, from Texas who was attending a huge megachurch out there, and she was raving about her pastor. Uh, she was like, you know, this guy is the most amazing pastor I've ever met. Um, you know, it was kind of offending to me, but um, most amazing pastor I've ever met. Um, you know, everything he says just feels like he's speaking directly to my life. Um, you know, he just, like, I, I love, you know, his life story. She knew everything about him. You know, apparently he used to be in the finance world. He quit his lucrative career and then planted a church. And I was like, this guy sounds amazing. Um, what's his name? And she was like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I don't know his name. And I was like, how, how can you know so much about a person yet not know his name. Maybe you don't really know him. And, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, um, the same is true of our relationship with God. We know a lot about God, yet we don't really know him. And um, I know that as a church, uh, as I speak to a lot more of you, uh, as we open this new year together, I've heard a lot of you say that you want to grow deeper in your relationship with God, which is exactly why we're doing this series, because every relationship begins with an exchange of names. It's how we introduce ourselves to each other, even before we talk about uh, how old we are or what we do or, or where we live. We have to start with our names. A person's name is the most basic foundational part of his or her identity. Names signify the communities to which we belong. Names carry deep historical, cultural meaning. And in the same way, God's name also gives us important clues about who he is and what he cares about and why he does what he does. Now, obviously, God is so transcendent and otherworldly that uh, you can't contain all of who God is in one's name, in one name, which is why throughout Scripture, there are countless names for God, each one giving us a tiny glimpse into God's character, each one giving us a tiny glimpse into who he is. Um, my son's full name is Jack Ezra Min, but some of you in here know him as Jack-Jack, Sometimes I call him Jackie. My wife calls him Chub Chubs. Uh, my parents often refer to him by his Korean name, Kyungjun, right? And each one of these versions of his name give us a tiny glimpse into who my son is. 
uh, his ethnicity, um, his personality, his body shape, right? E each one, uh, and, and those of you who know all these versions of his name know him a lot more personally. Well, in the same way, I believe God desires us to know him more personally as well, to be able to relate to him not just as this distant God out there, but to be able to relate to him as Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there, to be able to relate to him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, as Jehovah, um, you know, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And our hope and prayer as a church is that we would be able to call on the name of God using these personal names. So each week, uh, we're going to be looking at one specific name of God and the significance behind that name. Uh, but today is going to be kind of an introduction. We're going to kind of zoom out and ask the bigger question, what's in a name and why is the name of God so important? Okay, what's in a name and why is the name of God so important? Now, we all know that names carry weight. Names matter, right? When I say the name Kobe, I don't even have to say his last name. You're probably automatically thinking basketball, Lakers, Mamba, 81 points. When I say Elon Musk, automatically you're thinking Tesla, SpaceX, really smart, really rich, right? There's a reason why there are no kids in our church named Adolf, okay? Because names matter. Names carry weight. You know, um, last year, <clears throat> as our country was grappling with a lot of issues around racial justice, um, uh, specifically around violence toward women of color, um, as you know, there was a campaign and a hashtag that went viral, Say Her Name. And a lot of people wondered, like, well, what is the point of kind of, you know, um, focusing on an individual's name when there are these larger issues at stake? You know, like, there are bigger fish to fry than, than taking all our time focusing on one person's name, but I think because there was something in all of us that knew that names carry weight. Names connect us to each other's humanity. Names turn headlines into real people with real hopes and real dreams and real families. It was one thing to talk about the dehumanization of black bodies. It was a completely different thing to be able to say Ahmaud Arbery. Brianna Taylor, Elijah McClain. It was different to say their names because names carry weight. You know, I think the greatest power that parents have is the power to name their children because we all know that names follow their children around everywhere they go. You know, it was so difficult for me and Carol to name our kids, you know, because we had so many word associations with um, the, with certain names, you know, you know, I would be like, what about this name? And she would be like, ooh, I knew someone with that name in high school. Definitely cannot name her that, right? And she was like, what about this name? And I was like, wasn't that the terrorist in that one movie? All right? And, and, and it, you know, because there was something in us that knew that these names would follow our children around everywhere they went. It would be their primary identifier. And, 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 you know, like, uh, we ended up naming our daughter Avery, and her name means wisdom. Okay, it actually means elfish wisdom, but I take the elfish part out. Um, but her name w means wisdom, and, and we gave her the middle name Grace, Avery Grace. 
And as she grew up, we wanted her to live into that name. That everywhere she went, every person she encountered, that people would look at her life and say she exudes the wisdom and grace of God. You know, we want our children to lean into their names. You know, even when we read scripture, there's so much you can learn just by paying attention to people's names. You know, people, um, not only do, does every name carry specific meanings, but people get renamed and named all the time according to the work God is doing in their lives. Abram and Sarai become Abraham and Sarah. Saul becomes Paul. Jacob becomes Israel. Simon becomes Peter. And all of these name changes are significant because they're meant to create associations and cultivate meaning in our minds. Now, if we look at our text today, it's a Psalm of David, and it opens and closes with the same statement. It opens and closes with, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And what David is saying is that in this world full of important names, there is none other na- no other name that is more important than the name of God. It's the only name worthy to be glorified. It's the most significant name in all the earth. And this is an ongoing theme in David's prayers. If you read Psalm 29, he says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. In Psalm 34, he says, Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why does David pray this prayer over and over again? And I believe it's because he understands the tendency of the human heart to give more weight to names that are not God's names. You see, you and I were all created to worship. So it's not a matter of whether or not we're glorifying something. We all are glorifying something. The question is, what is that thing you are glorifying most? What is that thing you are glorifying above all other things? What is the name that you have elevated above all other names? And whatever that thing is for you, whether it's a relationship, whether it's money, whether it's power, whether it's fame, that thing will end up dictating every decision you make in life. That thing will end up dictating how you move through the world. That, that thing will end up dictating how you spend your time and your resources. It will affect how you view yourself and others. And be very careful. I think there are times when we put the God stamp on things, when we say we're doing something to glorify His name, when in reality we're doing it to glorify ourselves, to bring glory to our name. Just because you put God's name on it doesn't mean you're glorifying him. You know, I've talked about this in previous sermons, but um, I've been listening to this podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and it's a story of a Seattle megachurch led by Pastor Mark Driscoll that basically grew to become an empire and then pretty much collapsed overnight. And um, in one of the episodes, um, there's this fascinating like story that a former staffer tells and the staffer is like talking about this one time he went with Driscoll to a preaching engagement he had and apparently after the preaching engagement there was a whole uh, crowd of people waiting outside to get Driscoll's autograph and take pictures with him and after all that was over uh, they get into the cab and the staffer is like commenting he's like man I did not know a pastor could draw that kind of a crowd. I did not know a pastor could have that effect on people. And apparently, Mark Driscoll looks at him and says, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm kind of a big deal. 
And, and uh, the staffer says, like, he started laughing because he thought Driscoll was quoting Anchorman, and he looks in his eyes and realizes he's being serious. He's being dead serious. And, and in that moment, the staffer says, and I'm par paraphrasing here, he says, all that time I thought what we were doing was about Jesus, but I realized it was all about Mark. And God can't stand when people throw his name around to justify their own pursuits. In Exodus 20, God says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And yet we do this all the time. If you want to be famous, just say you want to be famous. Don't say you want to be famous because you want to make God's name great among all these people because you want you want to influence people for the kingdom just say you want to be famous don't misuse the name of the lord your god don't throw god into the mix there's a reason that when jesus teaches his disciples to pray the first line he says pray hallowed be your name he wants that to be a prayer we pray every day as if to show us that the tendency of the human heart is to always hollow our own name over the name of God. You know, when you think about King David who wrote this psalm, he's someone whose name was well known in the land. He was a king. So everyone would have known his name. Not only was he a king, he was one of Israel's greatest kings. And yet when you read all the psalms that he's written, and even when you read Psalm 8, there's nothing that seeks to bring glory to his name. Everything is about God from beginning to end. If you notice, starting from verse 2, he says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. He's talking about the power of God to use the weak to humble the strong. And then in verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, everything points to God. And you'll notice something happens to David as he begins to exalt God's name and as he begins to consider who God is and what he's done. Something begins to change in him. As he begins to make much of God, he begins to realize just how small and insignificant he is. Because notice what he says in verse 4. He says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. I may be a king, but when I consider who you are and what you've done, who am I that you are even mindful of me? You see, when you make your name bigger than God's name, you will tend to over-amplify your accomplishments and over-amplify your problems because your entire life will start to revolve around you. Everything will be about you making great your name, your legacy, your family, and when certain things don't go your way, we lose our minds. We start saying things like, what the heck, God? I've been working years for this promotion, and this is where it's gotten me. But when we begin to exalt the name of God, our perspective changes. We start to say things like, who am I that I would even have a job? Who am I that you would even provide for me and my family? When we begin to exalt our own name, we say things like, why don't, have, why don't I have more friends? Why don't I have better friends? And our perspective shifts to start saying, who am I to even deserve this community I've been given? 
when we begin to make high and make great God's name, all of life becomes a gift rather than a reason to complain, to compare. You know, David had many reasons to complain. For a lot of his life, he was on the run. David endured a lot of failure. He made a lot of mistakes. He lost his own son. And there's a part of you that thinks David could have said, what the heck, God? Is this how you treat a king? I don't deserve this. And yet David doesn't say that. He says, who am I? What is mankind that you are mindful of them? When you magnify God's name, your name, your accomplishments, and your problems start to look small in comparison. Now, if you keep reading, that's not all that happens. Okay, watch what happens next. So the more David considers who God is, the more he sees how small and insignificant he is. But then notice what he says in verse 5. There's a shift. He says, you have made them, and he's talking about human beings here, you have made them a little lower than the angels, and listen to this, and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Somehow by glorifying and honoring God's name above his own, David ends up being glorified and honored himself. You and I, we all want our lives to mean something. We want our lives to matter. And yet we don't realize that the path to meaning and fulfillment is not in taking control. It's by relinquishing control. It's by surrendering ourselves. This reminds me of Isaiah 6. And in Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah beholds the majesty of God. And immediately when he beholds who God is, uh, immediately it says, he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Immediately in the presence of who God is, he begins to hate himself. He begins to believe he's nothing, right? And the moment that happens, the moment he humbles himself and believes he's nothing, you know what happens? These angelic beings start flying toward him with, with a burning coal and, uh, you know, and puts that burning coal on his mouth saying, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then in the very next line, God's looking for someone to send on his mission. God says, who will go for me? And it's Isaiah who says, here I am, send me. This guy beholds the majesty of God, immediately starts hating himself, but then the moment God says, who will go for me? He says, here I am, send me. He's both humbled and made confident. God deconstructs and reconstructs his identity in an instant. Making much of God doesn't make our lives matter less. It makes our lives matter more. I think that's what we don't realize. We all have an innate desire to live a life of purpose, but the problem is that we keep thinking the power to live that life lies in ourselves. And what David is showing us here is that when you seek first God's kingdom and God's purposes and his will and his name, he will make your life matter more than you ever thought it could. This is how the gospel works. You lose your life to find it. 
You die to live. The way up is down. It's the inverse logic of the kingdom. And that's what we're seeing here. Not only has God crowned humanity with glory and honor, David says he has made them rulers of his creation. Everything that is God's is now ours to tend and to cultivate. You know, when you go back to the book of Genesis and you go to Genesis 11, you'll find the story of the Tower of Babel. And in that story, um, you can basically see every horrible thing that has ever happened in our history, every horrible injustice, every horrible act of oppression, and you can basically trace it all back to this one quote that you see in Genesis 11, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. So that we may make a name for ourselves. This is sin in a nutshell. It's human beings trying to make a name for themselves. It's human beings trying to become gods. And the irony is that we were already created in the image of God. We were already created with a purpose. We were already crowned with glory and given authority over creation, but that wasn't enough for us. We wanted glory for ourselves apart from God. We felt like we could do it on our own, and we were willing to get it at any cost. We rebelled against God. We turned on fellow image bearers. We began to destroy each other and ourselves, and we created the world that you and I are living in right now. But here's the good news. Amidst human beings trying to become gods, the gospel is a story of God becoming human. Of God becoming human putting on flesh and bone, and subjecting himself to all the brokenness of this world. The Bible says Jesus did not seek his own glory on this earth, but he, instead he made himself nothing and endured the humiliation and the shame of the cross. And then Philippians 2, Paul says this. He says, but in doing so, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the amazing thing is, is that those who have placed their trust in Jesus get to claim this name as their own. They get to claim this name as their own. Back in 2018, there was a video that went viral of an 11-year-old boy, Carter Wiles, and the video was of Carter um, on Christmas op uh, morning opening a gift that would forever change his life. And in the video, Carter is, is, is sitting there with his extended family in the living room. And uh, uh, if you know the story, Carter basically grew up without parents. He was kind of bounced around from foster home to foster home, never really had a place to call, call home. And he's sitting here on Christmas morning um, beside his extended family and his aunt, uh, named Leah Kiphart, hands him this final Christmas gift. And he opens the gift, and inside the gift he finds a picture and a note. And this is what the note says. The note says, This is our most recent picture of our family. All of us would love for you to be in the next picture and to be part of our family. Our family. Would you like to be a Kiphart and be our son and brother? Would you like to be a Kiphart and be our son 
and brother. Put another way, do you want to bear our family's name and live as a part of our family? Isaiah 49, 16 says, Our names are inscribed upon God's hands. The hands that were ultimately nailed to a cross. And on the cross, the names we once had, the stories we once had, our old selves, all our mistakes and all our failures, they were all crucified with Jesus. The Apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the slate has been wiped clean and you and I have been invited to be a part of God's family, to have God's name written on our hearts and to not only receive the benefits that come with that name, but to bear the responsibility that comes with that name as well. You know, my kids now aren't just reflections of themselves. They are reflections of me and Carol everywhere they go because they bear our last name. They bear the Min family name. They did nothing to earn that name. It was given to them freely as a gift, but that name still comes with responsibility. The responsibility to live in such a way that reflects their parents. Well, in the same way, we now have a responsibility as followers of Jesus, as those who bear his name, to reflect the character of God everywhere we go, to the places we work, to the places we live, to the places we play. So this morning, my invitation for everyone, I believe there's an invitation for all of us here, what does it look like for you to bear the name of Jesus everywhere you go? What does it look like for you to bear the name of Jesus in the spaces you will inhabit in 2022? What does it look like for you to bear the name of Jesus in your homes, in your schools, and in your workplaces? What does it look like for you to take on his name, to actually live as sons and daughters, to not just know about God, but to be a part of his family, to know him personally, to know him intimately? You know, let me just close with this. Um, I think my favorite detail in this whole psalm, and I could have preached an entire sermon about just this one detail. My favorite detail in Psalm 8 is the fact that David starts with a word. He starts with the word Lord. And if you look in your Bible, you'll notice that that word Lord is in all caps. And whenever you see the word Lord in all caps, it's basically referring to God's sacred divine name. Yahweh, the name uh, revealed to Moses in, ex in the book of Exodus. It was a name so holy that it was not allowed to be uttered back in those times. But I think it's such a subtle but important detail that David opens his prayer with the most formal name for God, Lord, but then follows that with the phrase, Our Lord. Lord, Our Lord. It's like my kids saying, Jason Min, our dad, uses the most formal name, but then he de defines the relationship. As lofty as this prayer sounds, David is not speaking to a distant God out there. He's worshiping a Lord who he's in relationship with. It's not just Lord Yahweh, 
It's Lord, our Lord. He's Yahweh. His name is majestic in all the earth, but he's my Lord. And so my hope and prayer for us as we exalt the name of God together each week is that this God, who may feel like a distant being out there for many of us, would soon become our Lord. That this God would become a personal God that we would grow deeper in intimacy, that we would grow deeper in closeness to this God who loves us, who saves us, who heals us, and restores us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your name is great and worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. God, forgive us for the ways that we've lived to elevate our name, to elevate our legacy, the ways that we've lived for our needs and our convenience and our comfort and our security. God, I pray that as we enter 2022 as a church, in our own lives, we would bear the responsibility that comes with a name that has been freely given to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And God, I pray that as a church, as this community, we would not ever feel like we are building for ourselves a city to make a name for ourselves. That we would never feel like we are doing this so that other people look at what a great church this is that we would truly become a city on a hill, a city of people pointing to the only one deserving praise, that we would be a city on a hill pointing people to your love, to your grace, and your goodness. Thank you for this word today. Help us to grow in a more personal relationship with you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.